again on a night like this thanks for being here good to see you out there and of course i am joined by a very very special guest oh yes a very very special guest in mr jim fetzer he's been here before doesn't need no introduction here on the program you all know very well who the freight train is mr james fetzer and I am pleased to bring him back on yet again. Oh, yes. And I hear myself in the background there. That is never, that's never good. I, I hope Jim has uh, lowered the volume there. I guess he was listening to the program. Hey, Jim, what's going on? Yeah, Michael, exactly. You got a real lively group of chatters there. I love it. Yeah. They're pumped up. I graduated up. from Princeton, by the way. It was number one in the world in math, physics, and philosophy. And, of course, that was my area of specialization where I graduated magna cum laude and was commissioned as second lieutenant in the Marine Corps upon graduation where the Navy had paid for my tuition books and $50 a month spending money. Can you imagine that? Wow. That was okay. But today, how ridiculous. Ooh. And, of course, with inflation, matters are getting so much worse. It's getting insane out there. And, Jim, once again, thank you so much for being a part of the program. It's always a tremendous honor and pleasure to share the air with you. Well, I just like you tremendously, Michael. And it's obvious your fans, your followers, those in the chat room have great affection for you as well. I'm just delighted to be here. Yes, I, I'm i pretty lucky. They're a, good, a great group of people, I should say. And, of course, they love you. And people have been asking about you nonstop yet again. They've been wondering what's been going on with the freight train, Mr. James Fetzer. Where's Jim? Where's the professor? And I told him you'd make the return. Well, I've been doing uh, 10 shows a week. Oh, my I God. have one regular Monday, Wednesday, Friday on Revolution Radio from noon to 2 p.m. Uh, on Studio B. That's a regular. Most of the others are pre-recorded. You can find them on my BitChute channel, Jim Fetzer. And I have uh, my new blog. This is Posner Legal Team. It's a fictional entity. I'll elaborate. Took my blog, jamesfetzer.org, and my book, Nobody Died at Sandy Hook, in violation of the statutes of Wisconsin for a taking, because a book and a blog are intellectual property. They're not actually money, but Wisconsin statutes require only money can be used to satisfy a monetary judgment, in this case for $450,000 for a purported defamation which I deny, but the court found, and where the jury awarded $450,000 in damages. I mean, it was ludicrous on every possible standard. I'll return to this. But the point is, in terms of a taking, to satisfy that judgment, if you're dealing with intellectual property, you have right. to appoint a receiver, and then the receiver puts it up for bids. 
But in this case, the Posner team wasn't willing to put it up for a bid. They wanted to kill the book. They wanted to kill the blog. And the judges went right along with it. So since they didn't put it up for a receiver, I have grounds. It was done on improper grounds, improper motivation to suppress it, not to satisfy the judgment. And the judge even openly admitted that in court. So I'm now in the process of going to the Wisconsin Court of Appeals, District 4, and I think this is so clear-cut. I'm going to be dumbfounded if they deny. In the relation to my earlier case, of course, which I'm appealing now before the United States Supreme Court, more about that, Wisconsin has a very peculiar summary judgment procedure. So even though in my answer I outlined all this evidence, having the FEMA manual for the drill at Sandy Hook, the FBI consolidated crime report for 2012 showing zero murders or non-negligent homicides, manslaughters in Newtown, of which Sandy Hook is a suburb that the Connecticut official report by Stephen Sedensky III fails to create a causal nexus connecting the lead shooter with the weapons he's supposed to use uh, or the, 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 the victims. In other words, it was an abject forensic failure. Uh, I have gone to the Supreme Court because... The judge suppressed all my evidence That's on the right. grounds it was unreasonable, which astonishing it's to me is allowed in Wisconsin, just allowed in Wisconsin. Judges are permitted to suppress evidence if they don't find it to be reasonable. So at the appellate court, the very court to which I'm now making an appeal regarding the taking of my blog and my book, upheld it and said in consecutive paragraphs, it's reasonable to believe Adam Lanza shot 20 kids and six adults in Sandy Hook on 14 December 2012, blah, blah, blah. And then in the next paragraph, it says it's unreasonable to believe it was a FEMA exercise where, where nobody died, and even though I had the manual and all that bit. And now I'm, I've gone to the Supreme Court for actually a return engagement. It's a fascinating story. I have a motion for a rehearing that includes now in the appendices which I didn't have in the original. In the appendices, I have the FEMA manual for the Sandy Hook event. That's Appendix B. I have an Appendix C. I have the Connecticut State Report FEMA zone schedule showing this exercise, L366, to be held at Sandy Hook Elementary was right on its schedule for 14 December 2012. They even provided a convenient map how to get from Bridgeport down to Dickinson Drive where the school is located, and in addition, in Appendix E, and Michael, you're going to love this. I have an affidavit, a sworn affidavit from a private investigator, a brilliant guy by the name of Brian Davidson, licensed in Texas, who's gone into the Connecticut State files and been studying the photographic record there and comparing the photographs with the official report. Well, for example, the official report says in the hallway, the teacher and the school psychologist, the bodies were there in pools of blood. He's got the photographs, and there's no bodies, no blood. In classroom 10, there was supposed to be a stack of little kids and blood everywhere. Oh, Jim, how, how dare you uh, say that, Jim? I mean, don't you have any respect for the, the victims, Jim? Um, how goddamn dare you? How dare you? What victims, Michael? <laughs> oh, the, my. Get, get this, just to make this one more point. 
in the classroom, there are not only no bodies and no blood, but there aren't any school desks or chairs. There's no teacher's desk. There's no evidence that it was being used for educational purposes, right, in other yeah. words. In his sworn affidavit, he concludes, there was not only no evidence of a mass shooting, but no evidence the school was even open that what he found is consistent, more consistent with this having been a FEMA exercise than what the government contends. And uh, how do you feel about the treatment that Alex Jones received? Um, are, are you crossing your fingers that something like that doesn't happen uh, to you to that extent, Jim? I mean, you are paying a, well, you are being fined a hefty amount yourself, but not the way uh, Alex Jones is. That, that's, a, that's a hefty uh, bill there. Well, Michael, I think it helps my case. I mean, Alex Jones being hit with a billion dollars for offering Holy an opinion. And I that was able crazy. to cite that in other cases involving Alex. I think this yeah. has gone so far out of control in violation of the First Amendment it's and gone proper too judicial procedure that the Supreme Court is going to find it irresistible to take my case because enough is enough. Not only straighten out the summary judgment procedure here in Wisconsin and make it uniform throughout all 50 states, but... It's an opportunity for them to affirm the Seventh Amendment, a right to a jury trial applies in each of the states, which oddly enough, through a circuitous historical circumstances, the court has never actually done. But I believe they're going to be further, you know, motivated to do this because of these completely absurd judgments in the Alex Jones cases. And by the way, Michael, I sought to intervene in all three of those when the trials were taking place. But not only did the plaintiffs, the fake Sandy Hook parents oppose me, which was unsurprising, so did the defendant. They didn't want me oh, in really? there to point out that there's never been a judicial determination that, that I anybody didn't know, by died the way. in Sandy Hook. Michael, I know wow. I'm not giving you a word. Uh, no, no, I, I just I couldn't believe that. I mean, they, they really did not. They passed on you. They passed on me. I was willing to, I even offered to Norm Pattis to come in as an expert witness in his trial for damages yeah. to explain why he would have had good mm. reason to offer that opinion even if they disagreed with the opinion he would have had good reason for it there was nothing malicious about it he wasn't going to out of his way uh you know to make something up and in fact during one of his interviews uh, with the reporters outside the court he said i'm not the sandy hook guy mm. i'm not the yeah. sandy hook guy and i kept waiting for them to ask who is the sandy hook guy and he would have told them it's me. Yes, that's uh, Jim Fetzer you're hearing right now. Th that's the Sandy Hook guy. Not me, by the way, just for the record. Um, that's, a, <laughs> that's a joke, Jim, by the way. No, they, they, they shut us down a number of times already here, by the way. Um, the, the people that go after you online, you know, they shut us down a number of times already, Jim. A lot of our interviews that we've done in the past, they've been uh, wiped away. Clean. Oh, Michael, we'll just have to do more to replace them. I, I guess so, yeah. It it's got ridiculous. It really is, and it's crazy. I mean, this is a this is a war against freedom of speech. It's it's oh, insane. Hundred percent. And it, you are there. Both, you know, Holy shit! Uh, sabotaging the Second Amendment. I mean, Barack Obama showed up uh, just a month and two days after on January. Let's see, the sixteenth and the. Sign yeah. 23 executive orders to co to compromise our ability to exercise our rights under the Second Amendment. 23 executive orders signed by Barack Obama, who, by the way, was the inspiration for this whole thing, along with his attorney general, Eric Holder, 
who had during the 1995 uh, National Democratic Women's Conference in Washington, D.C., declared, we have to brainwash the American people to change their attitude toward gun. Well, this Sandy Hook event was part of the brainwashing initiated by Barack and Eric Holder, where Obama had vitiated the Smith-Mutt Act of 1948 by the Smith-Mutt Modernization Act of 2012, where the Smith-Mutt Act precluded the use of the same techniques of propaganda and disinformation within the United States that were being used outside. That would include paid protests, staged events, all this, to legalize Sandy Hook just in time for the Sandy Hook fake massacre. And by the way, just to add some context here for those that were wondering, the court ruled that the death certificate of Noah Posner is not a fabrication, as stated in the book, Nobody Died at Sandy Hook. People were wondering, and that's what, they, uh, that's what they're trying to now on you, Jim. Well, here's the deal. I had this massive evidence that nobody had died at Sandy Hook, and right. yet the judge ruled at the scheduling conference that he wasn't going to go down that rabbit hole. He wasn't going to allow it because he said it wasn't relevant to the accuracy of the truthful of the death certificate. Oh, really? Where the death mm. certificate said that the decedent had died at Sandy Hook on 14 December 2012 with multiple gunshot wounds. Go figure. Yeah, so they haven't even heard any of your evidence. They haven't given you no, a chance, in other it words. Was all basically suppressed. I mean, essentially, it was found to be unreasonable and treated yeah. as though it did not even exist. Ooh, yeah, that, that's going to be very frustrating for you, Jim. Well, it was because I entered this whole thing having read up about summary judgments and now yeah. they have to take all the defendant's assertions to be true and then ask the defendant if he agrees and only proceed forward if he does agree because then there are no disputed facts to turn to the jury. And yet when I got into this mess in Wisconsin, it was completely different. They have an inverted summary judgment protocol that allowed the judge to determine the facts on his own, on his own subjective basis, so that I'll bet, I'll bet, Michael, throughout this whole business, I probably had 20 different motions for discovery, for this, yeah. for that, DNA tests, all sorts of things. Every single motion I submitted was denied. Di- oh, I was dismissed and denied. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, th- that's annoying. That would uh, drive me off the wall. I know, I know. I've even in my work, you know, shown that Noah Posner was in fact a fiction made out of photograph as a young man supposed to be his older stepbrother, Michael Vabner, when he was a child. So I have a gift where you can see Noah turn into Michael Vabner or alternatively Michael Vabner as a child because that's how they faked it. In fact, it's interesting that Wayne Carver was a medical examiner claimed he didn't allow any of the parents to see their children they were identified on the basis of photographs because they really only existed in the form of photographs in fact Mona Alexis Presley one of my research colleagues has found reason to believe some of the Sandy Hook parents used photographs of themselves as children to be to their deceased dead ones oh my yes I recall you mentioning that to me and I wasn't sure if that was really the case and you know, it, I went back and looked for photos, and I couldn't find them either. Oh, let me add this. Uh, Neil Heslin, who was involved in the very first with Scarlett Lewis, the very first lawsuit that I don't know wound up with a trivial sum of $57 million, obviously mere peanuts compared to what's going on now. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, he, he claimed he held his dying son Jesse in his arms, 
And yet Wayne Carver, the medical examiner, said the parents weren't even allowed to see their children. I'll just say as a parent, if I were told one of my children were dead, there's no force on earth that could prevent me from viewing the body for myself. Absolutely. And of course, we've seen footage of the one of the fathers there who was, um, it seemed like he was maniacally laughing right before he uh, did an interview with the news camera. Oh, yeah. Robbie, Robbie Parker. Robbie Parker. Who's supposed to be the father of uh, Emily Parker. It was a... Yeah. A, a cute little blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl who, along with Noah Posner, were the two most adorable photogenic children in the mix. But it was all made up. I mean, the whole thing was totally fraudulent. The families were synthetic. Most of them weren't even married to one another. A lot of them don't even know each other, Michael. The whole thing is a total fraud. It's a whole work, but you're they, saying. They've done a massive job, and Alex Jones' case is only the most spectacular illustration of going after and attacking anyone who raises question about Sandy Hook. For example, James Tracy, who was probably the best faculty member they had at Florida Atlantic, was given the boot for a private blog publishing a critique about Wayne Carver's press conference, which had many odd elements, including his asserting at one point he hoped this didn't come crashing down on the good people of Newtown. Well, what would there be to come crashing down on the good people of Newtown if it were on the up and up? But, of course, the whole thing was a massive fraud. My goodness. And, Jim, I, I don't mean to sort of sidetrack us here. And, um, you know, I, I mentioned this to you before, but uh, I, I definitely want to bring it up to you again. And um, just a few days ago, Jim, I was actually watching a clip of you when you were on Fox News with Sean Hannity again. Oh, yeah. And, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I totally had forgotten how Hannity really pressed you right out of the gate. I, I watched, uh, I, you know, I watched that back and I immediately I said, God damn, Hannity, what's your problem? Well, he was basically he was going after uh, uh, Kevin Barrett, I think, initially. And then they turned to me and tried to bring in uh, this other guy, this Indian fellow. But the fact is, I was able pretty much to take control of that show, not as much as successfully as I had the previous when I was on where first Holly time. North was sitting in for Sean Hannity. Well, that was the, that yeah, that was was the other the, time. That was on the eve of Alex Jones' uh, American Scholars Conference on 9-11, where he invited me to be the keynote speaker, Michael. And they had me on Fox claiming they wanted to know what scholars for 9-11 Truth had discovered. But while I was sitting in the room waiting, I had to bring in a TV. And when Holmes uh, began talking about, you're not going to believe what your children are being taught by their professors, I knew they got it wrong. And I was able to seize control of that particular program right from the start. It's, it's probably my single favorite of all my television appearances. Anyone can find it. Check it out. Jim Fetzer on with Ollie North, June 2006. Yes, the what I'm looking at, I believe it was, it must have been shortly after 9-11 when you were on. And for those who were way too young to remember, shortly after post-9-11, uh, even talking about 9-11 not being aligned with the official narrative, you were sort of looked at with such malice and uh, disdain. People would look at you as if you killed their cat. Uh, which is a sin in my, which is a sin in my opinion. Killing any animal is bad. But by the way, what I mean by that is, Hattie seemed like such a rude prick to you when he had when he had you on. And uh, Jim, you know, I remember when that actually aired. I had been watching uh, Fox News uh, because of my dad, and I remember hearing you for the first time and hearing you, and I'm just like, hell yeah, this guy uh, gets it. 
This guy has laid down the truth. And, uh, well, it's terrific, Michael. Actually, you know, uh, right. what's his name? Uh, O'Reilly, Bill O'Reilly would have me on later. So these were separated by a couple of months. First, it was on with Ollie North sitting in for Sean Hannity, then with Sean Hannity, then with Bill O'Reilly, who is by far the rudest of the group. I'm sitting there for about 30 minutes in a studio with a bright light in my face. Oh, my. All yeah. of a sudden, Kennedy pops in and says, I'm going to tell the world you hate your nation and that <laughs> you're a nut. Boom, and I'm on television. Oh, that's great. And then offers more ad hominem attacks, so you never are able to get back to the original. But I'll tell you, years later, I was in New York after I'd spoken at uh, Cooper, U the Great Hall of Cooper Union, where Abraham Lincoln gave one of his most important speeches. And after the 9-11 conference, my wife and I in front wandered over to a theater where Alex Jones was hosting a 9-11 event. And they just rolled out the red carpet for me, had me sit up on a platform with 9-11 first responders. And when I sat down, the guy next to me leaned over and said, it was watching you on O'Reilly that convinced me 9-11 was an inside job. Oh, my. You know, I think, well, maybe it was worth doing so right. after all. And, you know, I really hope Hannity has changed his mind about the official narrative. You know, it took my dad a long time as well to, you know, to sort of question the narrative. And now he is all these years later, which makes me proud. But I, I hope ho I'm, I'm hoping Hannity now also has changed his mind. I don't know. Hannity is not really very swift. He's got a limited intellect, but he does feature a lot of good guests. I think that's the strength of his show. Tucker is by far the superior, and he's all over most of these, but even Tucker's a little wet behind the ears when it comes to conspiracies. Well, I'll tell you, the ones that evoke even greater response are Sandy Hook on the one hand and, and the death and replacement of Paul McCartney on the other. You cannot believe people go virtually hysterical about both of those. Sandy Hook calming down just a bit, but perhaps only because they think Alex Jones, whom they take to be the principal representative of Sandy Hook research, is getting so massively clobbered in the courts. I mean, it's just absurd what's going on there. That's right. And again, this is one of the many reasons why you're the most requested guest I've ever had on this program. You know, people definitely enjoy what you have to say. They respect the fact that you've you basically thrown yourself into the trenches for so many, so many uh, years, rather, and you stood for what you believed in. And sometimes in life, we hit the proverbial speed bump, but you've remained strong, Jim. And that's respectable. Well, some, some say I'm the last man standing, you know, in terms of these legal cases. Uh, Tracy was given the book. Wolfgang was framed on a misdemeanor. They treated it as a felony, marched him through two fields at 3 a.m. in the morning, so he looked disheveled when they did a mug shot. He's all but destitute. I only wish that Alex had picked up, and you know, he actually did an interview, a video deposition in Connecticut in relation to these cases, where he said he'd never even read Nobody Died at Sandy Hook. And I say, well, that's ridiculous. How can a guy who's taking such a public stand, not read the only objective, authoritative book on what really happened, where I brought together 13 experts, including six PhDs, and we established a school had been closed by 2008, that there were no teachers or students there, and that it had been a FEMA drill presented as mass murder to promote gun control. I included the FEMA manual already there as Appendix A. 
This is one of the reasons why Amazon would ban the book less than a month after it went on sale, even though Michael had sold nearly 500 copies and recognizing this was a political stunt that I couldn't argue with him about it, I immediately released a book for free as a PDF. And I have a friend who follows his matters who says it's been downloaded millions of times. By the way, Doc Holliday in the chat room says, Tucker is a mockingbird trained operator. So he's basically saying he's friends with uh, the feds. And uh, well, you know, he did have a relationship with Hunter Biden at one time as well. Kind of well, weird. he's been great about Hunter. He's exposed the whole Biden fraud. He had uh, Bobolinsky, Tony Bobolinsky, on during the first debate where Bobolinsky just jumped out of his chair when Biden claimed he never had any conversation with his son, Hunter, about business because Bobolinsky had been at meetings where Biden and Hunter were having conversations. So I think that may be an unfair criticism. You might be much Hunter. more. Oh, I see. Understood. Understood. Yeah, I, I, I'm a huge fan of Tucker. He's by far, he's the only guy I would recommend absolutely you should watch every time you have the opportunity. I agree, he's a little wet behind the ears. I don't think he's quite sorted out 9-11. I don't know his thoughts about JFK, but I suspect he's unaware that Lee Oswald was actually standing in the doorway of the book depository when the motorcade came by, meaning he not only cannot have been the lone demanded gunman. He's not one of the eight shooters only Domaguide and I have identified, where I have the name, rank, and the serial number of six, only added the seventh. There's only one that remains uh, on the south knoll opposite the grassy knoll. There's a single tree. You wouldn't think there was even a place for a shooter to hide there. But I've seen photographs in the possession of two different JFK students showing him standing with his rifle, different photographs, he was most assuredly there. By the way, that's what um, Hannity was sort of uh, mentioning, by the way, when he said you're a professor, but you were already retired at the time. But he sort of uh, tried to, tried to, you know, disparage you a little bit by uh, saying, oh, you're like a wacky conspiracy guy. That's the, the way he was trying to paint you on his show. Well, actually, at that time, uh, that was, uh, yeah, June of 2006, actually, I was just retiring. That's that's the month that I retired after a 35-year career in higher education. Yes. And, you know, Ollie uh, 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 was kind of dumbfounded when he asked me, didn't I tell the producer that I had a course on uh, 9-11? I explained, no, no. I told the producer I had a course on critical thinking where I'd use examples such as from the Iraq war or, you know, JFK or whatnot. And actually, I used a lot of examples from 9-11. But they brought me on and claimed that I had a course on 9-11, which right. I did not. That enabled me to take control of the show and even say that I hope that they did they, they, that they had their facts foxed, and I hope they were uh, not committing this regularly because it would so affect their credibility. <laughs> but I had to phrase that very specifically, that they had their facts foxed. Yeah, well, before they brought you on, they made sure that they were going to press you. And uh, that's, that's what the producers also, I'm sure, would, were in their ears saying, yeah, go after him. Um, they, they were really going after you hard there, Jim. I was quite surprised to go back in time and just to look at that, just to look at the, the facial expressions being used. I just thought, oh man, there they are really going after Jim here. But of course you stood your ground. That's why everyone respects you. And, uh, that's, that's why you are one of the most requested guests here, Jim. 
for that well, reason. Well, a couple questions in the chat room I could address. Jim Mars and I were friends. We co-authored an article about the backyard photographs. They did use a body double to stand in for Lee in the backyard photographs. He's much too robust to be Lee Oswald. In fact, Larry Rivera's done absolutely brilliant work. He found a photograph of a Dallas cop with ties to the CIA by the name of Roscoe White. Roscoe and it White, was yes. Roscow, it was Roscoe who served as a body double for Lee. You know, when right. he was questioned about it by Will Fritz, the Dallas homicide detective in charge of the case, uh, he said that he was shown one of the backyard photographs, and he said that was his face posted on someone else's body, that he knew something about photography, and eventually he'd be able to prove it. Well, of course, he didn't lo live to do it, but Jim and I had an article co-authored about it. We identified Roscoe in part because Roscoe had this lump around his right wrist from a bone that didn't heal properly, and the backyard man has that same lump on his wrist that didn't heal properly. Well, Larry did a superposition, and the physique is the physique of Roscoe White, whereas Lee said his face was pasted on somebody else's body. And by the way, Jim, you are open to phone calls, correct? I think a few people oh, were trying right. to. 100%. A few 100%. people were, uh, yes. yeah, a few people were trying to call in early, um, but we had to sort of regroup and all of that sort of jazz. But if you want to call in, uh, please feel free to do so. That number is 424 666 24. 25, don't be afraid to call in. I know that number is a little, a little scary for some of you, but I mean, we're all adults here. You know, don't be a... Yes. I see yes. Doc Holliday is suggesting it was a cut and the Zapruder and they use a dummy. No, Doc, that's not right. There was massive editing of the Zapruder film. The original had about a thousand frames. They sent it over to the CIA Hawkeye Works. This was a secret lab adjacent to Kodak headquarters and redid it. They removed over half of the frames, including 400 after the limousine came to a complete halt. This is in the vicinity of the Umbrella Man and the Cuban, where they halted so abruptly all the passengers were jostled forward. They had to take that out. There was such an obvious indication of Secret Service complicity. During that time, he was hit at least twice. David Mantic, the leading medical expert, believes there may yet have been a third shot to the head. The back of the head fired from the Dal Tex, and he slumped forward. Jackie used him back up, was looking him right in the face when he was hit in the right temple by a, a bullet that blew his brains out the back of his head. And then he just slumped to the side. But the way they edited and took out so many frames, it looks like there's a violent back into the left. Well, that violent back into the left wasn't witnessed by anyone in Dealey Plaza. And there are others who have seen... Uh, the what appears to be the unedited film, and admit, yeah, no, no violent back into the left. He merely slumped to the left. That occurred because they took out too many parades. Hopefully, that answers his uh, question. And you know, one thing I do want to ask you really quickly here, Jim, is uh, why is Biden now suppressing the JFK files? Well, uh, the CIA has a lot at stake here because. Uh, there are files, especially for their lead uh, PSYOP guy, uh, that they don't want to release. He was also involved in Bobby's assassination. I think they're worried. Now, Donald wanted to get all that out. And by the way, uh, he gave the very first interview of a prominent personality about 9-11, saying that the builders who had constructed the Twin Towers were working for him now. 
and that there was no way a, a Boeing could possibly have brought the buildings down, about which he was 100% correct. Something else must have been involved. He said bombs, and that's exactly right. They actually use uh, uh, modest uh, nuclear devices in the sub-basements of the North and the South Tower, so that, in effect, the buildings were constructed as a tube within a tube. So you had the massive 47-core columns in the center enclosed by a tube, then you had the 230 external steel support columns, which were connected to the inner tubes by steel trusses filled with concrete at a depth of four to eight inches, so that each of the floors represented an acre of concrete on a steel truss. They blew it up from the, the inner tube from the bottom up, and then the effect was the outer tube was destroyed from the top down. So what we're witnessing external to the buildings is the outer tube being blown apart from the top down, but notice they're blowing apart in every direction. All the floors remain stationary. The building's being converted into millions of cubic yards of very fine dust, which, by the way, is a signature of the use of nuclear weapons. And when it's done, there's no stack of debris. I mean, compare it with Building 7, this 47-story right. skyscraper that came down at 520 in a classic controlled demolition. All the floors came down at the same time, very close to the speed of freefall, because they'd blown all the support columns simultaneously. But there was a residual pile of debris, five and a half floors, which is approximately 12% of the original height of 47 floors, which is what we find from experience with controlled demolitions of stadia, resorts, casinos. Hey, Dan Rather, even on that occasion, said, when he watched Building 7 come down, this looks just like the resorts and casinos we've been blown in Las Vegas. He was 100% correct. The point I'm making is if a controlled demolition, which is a form of controlled collapse, occurs, then you have a residual debris pile equal to about 12% of the original. In the case of 47 floor Building 7, five and a half, in the case of the 110-floor Twin Towers, that would have been 13 and a half floors, but it's not there because it was not a controlled, it wasn't a, a controlled demolition. It wasn't any kind of a collapse. They merely told us that, and it's like a imprinting. The first story you hear is liable to make a big impression, which is why they had this planted uh, Harley guy rush up when everyone's scratching their heads and say, what the hell did we just see? And he said, oh, well, the intense fire from the, the jet fuel must have caused the steel to weaken and collapse, and then the upper floors caused the lower floors to collapse. That sounds plausible if you don't understand the design, because for every unit of downward force, there were like 199 units of upward force. It wasn't even physically possible for a twin tower to collapse. But you had the Harley guy right there on the scene giving us an explanation and a lot of people thought it was probably right. And Jim, um, I'm pretty sure I've asked you this, but when um, this initially happened, um, what exactly uh, did you think it was? Did you automatically think there might be some sh shenanigans at hand, or um, were you like many other Americans who sort of bought the storyline for a little bit and then you started sort of researching well, and discovering it for yourself. I was bed, drinking a cup of coffee, reading the paper, when uh, a daughter of ours who lived in Bradenton, Florida, called up and said, turn on the TV. And we saw the North Tower was billowing black smoke. And by the way, that means it's an oxygen-deprived fire. 
doesn't have enough oxygen, even if it had under, been under ideal condition with fed pure oxygen, it could not have reached a temperature high enough to melt or, 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 or even weaken the steel. Uh, so the whole story was a fantasy from the beginning. Uh, I, I remember the spectacular explosion, but not seeing any plane with the South Tower. But when the alleged collapse took place, I remember clear as a bell saying to myself, this is physically impossible, but when will I ever be in a position to do anything about it? Surprisingly, I wound up being in a position to do something about it, and I pursued it relentlessly ever since. Oh, yes. You've been in the game for a long time. And uh, Jim, right away, um, I thought something, uh, I, I thought our own government might have been responsible. That was my first initial thought. That, how insane is that? Well, that was ter t totally reasonable. Uh, it I happened mean, before, that's why. Controls, yeah, you know, it, yeah. Michael, especially given the government controls every inch of airspace, we have radar covering the well, totality of the United States 24-7. Now, this was an Israeli op. It was a brainchild of Bibi Netanyahu, who has just been reelected PM for the fourth or the fifth time. He has more lives than a cat. And Ehud Umert in the late 1980s, they were trying to figure out a way to draw American forces into the Middle East. So they could take out the modern Arab states that served as a counterbalance of Israel's domination of the entire region. In other words, they wanted to fight the Arabs to the last American soldier and then use them on the Persian nation of Iran. It fell flat in Syria from when Russia and Iran entered at behest of the Syrian government, whose democratically elected president Bashir al-Assad sought their assistance. And it's also true, most Americans even today don't realize we can't or couldn't be in Syria to bring democracy to Syria because Syria is already a democracy. And from all I can tell, Syria is a better functioning democracy today than the United States, given the, what we've just lived through with this midterm, right. which is such massive theft, Michael, on a scale unprecedented. Roger Stone, uh, and he's no, you know, pipsqueak when it comes to political analysis. Uh, I, I, he's a, a friend of mine. Roger said he thinks he's, he just witnessed the most completely manufactured election in American history. And that's complemented by a blogger who was able to, to catch the whole event taking place in real time. I've got his report up on my blog at James, uh, BitChute channel, Jim Fetzer where he talks about everything he witnessed. He thinks these were good guys who were recording what was going on, but there was massive manipulation of the vote in all 50 of the states, save one, Florida, where they have very strong laws and all that. Florida was the only state which had totally legitimate voting. He mentioned, especially in New York, how Chuck Schirmer was getting virtually no votes. He only had like a half a million legitimate votes but they piled on millions and millions more because they wanted to keep him in place to be the, you know, the majority leader of the Senate. But he was observing himself of all the Democrats involved in this theft. Chuck Schumer has to be right at the top of the list. And are you sad about Nancy Pelosi, Jim? I've been uh, waiting to hear your take on her. <laughs> Nancy has been corrupt forever. <laughs> Many are going to be startled by what I'm about to say, but Trump gave a State of the Union, and we have a, a lip reader who was recording what conversation was going on before Trump came in to give his State of the Union. 
Nancy Pelosi had a poison palm. She actually had a poison on her palm when she shook Trump's hand. Really? He would have, yeah, he would have been dead of a heart attack within hours. He clearly knew it was there. He didn't shake her hand. This is where Nancy tore up Trump's speech after the State of the Union, which was disgraceful. In fact, technically, she'd be guilty of something Trump was not, namely the destruction of government documents. That was an official document of the government, and here was Nancy Pelosi tearing it up. Nancy had a bit of a comeuppance here when her husband Paul was out, and he, uh, according to the neighbors, had the practice of going to bars and coming home with young men who were gay. Oh, shit. Uh, it, yeah, the whole story was absurd. The glass was broken from the inside out. It was on the outside, not the in. When he first called in, he said there was a man in his house. Then he wanted to add his name is David, and he's a friend. And yet you have the district attorney from San Francisco saying there's no evidence that they knew each other. Well, wow, did she not even look at the first report when he called in and said his name is David and he's a friend? <laughs> were, were, they both in, were, were they both in <laughs> underwear, by the way, Jim? Well, I'm not even sure they had underwear. Oh, they were, my. David himself has said they were engaged in gay sex Oof. when they got into an argument over drugs. And the hammer he hit him with is a sex toy. It's available <laughs> on Amazon.com for 95 bucks. Oh, my. It's like a hammer, but it's a vibrating dildo. Oh, my God. And because it's loaded with batteries, being hit on the head with that would be like being hit on the head with a heavy flashlight, which, by the way, appears to have been the cause of death of John Benet Ramsey. It appears her mother got so upset when John Benet wet the bed that she hit her over the head with a flashlight and killed her, then wrapped her all up by in swaddling clothes and drew a little heart on the palm of her hand. That case is really not that hard to solve, but it appears that they were using John Benet for group sex with the district attorney and the lawyers and the judges in the community. And this was simply an event where she had too many she could handle. And as I say, she seems to have wet the bed and her mother hit her over the head and killed her. Yikes, that, that's not pleasant here. And um, I, I had no idea that uh, Nancy oh, yeah, Pelosi's a... disgusting, but... and I hate to report these okay. things. Yes. It's needless to say... This is the result of my research, but I've been collaborating with very good people and get a lot of insights that aren't available to the public. Everyone knows the body was all very carefully wrapped up in blankets. Everyone knows there was a heart drawn in the palm of her hand. Well, who would do that? Only her mother. I mean, they just didn't want to solve it because it was so horrible that she was being gang raped by these adult men in law enforcement and the judicial system. Yes, it's um, it's strange to see and uh, hear about uh, adult men so interested in uh, underage girls, and it seems to be a uh, a problem, I would say, with uh, you know people that have a lot of money, people that are wealthy and have power, um, always going after after the children for whatever reason. And um, yes, Nancy Pelosi's husband, I had no idea he was a foot tapper, but it doesn't surprise me hearing about that. Well, let me add a little more. Uh, there was a report of a third party having opened the door, and I believe those reports are accurate. They claimed, however, it was Paul Pelosi opened the door with his left hand, they say. Now, that's so peculiar. Why would you say with his left hand? Because when he broke out the glass in the back door to try to make it look like a break-in, he badly cut up his right hand and his wrist. So he had to have not only surgery on his skull for a fracture, 
they had to repair his right hand and wrist. So to circumvent, they said he opened the door with his left hand. Very peculiar to say that. It's a strange detail. And then, and then they said he simply backed away from the police. He didn't announce an emergency, and he backed away toward the alleged assailant, David DePaul, who, by the way, is anything but a mega guy. He's a hippie. He lives in a commune. They have a Black Lives Matter flag out there. They're pro-marijuana. I'm pro-marijuana, so that's not a fault. But he's a BLM guy. He's a left-winger, not a right. And he, he, I have had multiple reports. He was also in the car with Paul Pelosi when he was pulled over for DUI just a few months ago. Yes, he's a great guy, obviously. DUI, yeah, you know, great guy. sleeping with a, a weird uh, gentleman. Some early reports were just hilarious, including that, you know, He'd rather, uh, you know, be having uh, sex with his kid than with his wife. Well, do you blame him, though? I mean, Nancy Pelosi could be the cause of erectile dysfunction. That's true. I mean, if you were uh, married to Nancy Pelosi, I mean, Jim, you might start looking at men in a very different way. Yeah, well. I mean, they are in San Francisco, after all. But yes, David the Pap is the guy's name who's been criminally charged and was reportedly looking for his wife, Nancy. And uh, Jim, he looks as weird as he sounds with a face that only a mother could love. Yeah, well, there's another face that looks pretty weird, which is this new guy has just been appointed a special counsel to go after Trump and pursue January 6th. His name is Jack Smith. Jack Smith. I tell you, this is a weird-looking guy. Let me look him up. I've never heard of this guy. Jack Smith, you said. He's just been appointed. Jack Smith. Merrick Garland, who may be the most disgraceful attorney general in the history of the United States, and that's going some, has just made the appointment of this special counsel, and he's going to have twin responsibilities. He's going to go after not only Donald Trump in relation to Mar-a-Lago, even though the FBI recently admitted there was nothing you know, improper about the documents he had. They're going to keep the ball rolling and go after Republicans in the new House uh, and Senate in case they had anything to do with January 6th, this comes right after the Republicans have announced an investigation into Joe Biden. So what they're going to do is use these special counsel investigations to keep everything, all the relevant evidence wrapped up because it's part of an ongoing investigation. In other words, they've got a plan to block the Republicans from doing investigations, even though they're overwhelmingly justified. And now I have an image of this uh, gentleman you speak of, and he's wearing some sort of purple outfit here. Yeah, and isn't that weird? This is, is he like a, Hillary when she finally gave her concession speech. She and Bill came out in purple. He looks like he's wearing a, some kind a, of resistance. You know, this guy right. is a strange-looking dude, and I have no doubt he's a very nasty piece of work. Right. Yeah, well, he definitely looks a little odd wearing that outfit. He looks like a Freemason of sorts. And, uh, oh, that's good. That's very good, Michael. I wouldn't be surprised at all. He might be. He looks yeah. insane. That's for sure. And Asuka Langley in the chat says John Fetterman's neck growth is more attractive than Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'll tell you, this whole theft of the election in Maricopa County, especially, thank goodness we have Kerry Lake, who's very strong independent. We got this uh, candidate for the Senate who's not conceding either. The evidence there is so massive and overwhelming. Did you know, 
Michael, only 17% of the votes that were cast in Maricopa County were cast by Democrats, only 17%. That there's no way he could, she, she, Katie Hobbs, who is a Secretary of State, who should not have even had anything to do with the election because she, as Secretary of State, was a candidate and therefore she was supervising a contest where she was a candidate. I should think that would be enough to nullify the bloody race anyway. But they had that, that fixed the computers so they wouldn't scan ballots that were Republican ballots. You'd have to scan them 10 or 12 times. And if you were unsuccessful, you're asked to put them in door number three. Well, door number three, Michael, was a trash bin. They had to repeatedly empty door number three. So like a 90% of the votes that were cast in the first few hours weren't actually properly cast. They were put in door number three and they were disposed of. Tucker's been very good on this, by the way, pointing out that when you have these long delays, that it's because they're figuring out how many votes they have to subtract from the winner to turn them into a loser, how many votes they have to add to the loser to turn her into a winner. So they were subtracting votes from uh, 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 Carrie Lake. They were adding votes to Katie Hobbs over these several days. That's exactly what was going on. And other commentators have picked up on it the same way. One observing that if your election, if the total vote isn't announced the day of the election and you're a Republican or a conservative, you're toast because they're going to use a drawn-out count to switch the outcome. Just disgusting. Right. It, it is very disgusting. But, you know, I'm, I'm sort of disgruntled from the whole voting thing. Um, I've been left... Uh, I, I've been... Uh, oh, actually, Jim, let's take a phone call before I even finish this. I, I believe this person had called uh, before, but we'll, we'll get back to voting and all this uh, mess here in a second, but let's uh, take this phone call really quickly. Caller, you are live. How's it going? Caller, you are live. Yeah, we can't hear you, caller. Yeah, we um, can't hear you for whatever reason. Caller, 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 are you out there? Well, I, I think we might have lost him, Jim. Well, he could always put a comment on the chat and say, I'm the caller, here's my question or comment. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, what it means is that Democrats are continuing to pay dirty politics. I think Nancy didn't want to hang around. And by, uh, you know, getting off of the scene, uh, she at least partially takes her out of the sights of the Democrats. But Nancy Pelosi is massively corrupt. She had a whole lot to do with the January 6th event. As Speaker of the House, she's in control of the Capitol Police. The Capitol Police were acting under her instructions the Capitol is secured by a massive, magnetically locked door. It cannot be opened except from the inside. It's clear Nancy Pelosi gave the order to open. Right. And we have the FBI director just in the last day or two declining to answer the question, how many FBI uh, uh, you know, private resources that they have drafted as Trump supporters, you know, to bring about the the uh, insurrection, which he refused to answer. By the way, well, I, I think we might have this caller. Go ahead, caller. Are you? Um, can you hear us now? Can you hear me now? I hear you loud and clear. Go ahead. Beautiful man. I'm enjoying the show. Thanks a lot. Excellent. Yeah, no worries. Um, did you have a question for Jim? Yeah, Jim. I'm calling from uh, China up here in the north of you guys. Okay. And uh, we have a lot of uh, issues going on with uh, Blackface Trudeau here. And uh, he's been taking uh, 
a lot of stuff from China recently. Like we've had police stations that got popped. Three police stations in Toronto got popped for uh, being Chinese police stations. And uh, most recently, he's been uh, accused of taking uh, uh, the election rig from uh, people from China. Do you know anything about that or do you have an opinion about that? Well, Justin Trudeau is totally corrupt. He's a New World Order stooge, as is Emmanuel Macron and other of the prominent leaders. They foster their political careers to get him in position. By the way, Putin is obviously not a New World Order guy. In fact, he's been denounced by no less an authority than Jacob Rothschild as being an enemy of the New World Order where he has also declared that the New World Order cannot move forward without Ukraine. So in my judgment, Vladimir Putin, whom I regard as the only true statesman astride the world stage today, is fighting a fight for all of humanity, not just for Russia. But where he made it very clear about the national security interests of Russia and why Ukraine becoming a member of NATO was unacceptable because then you'd have all these NATO missile batteries right on Russia's border. Putin acted properly and in accordance with international law, the U.S. and NATO, however, have not. Now, Trudeau, the best thing I can say about him is he is the son of Fidel Castro. And, uh, you know, <laughs> his father, Pierre, had a, a wife who was uh, very adorable and affectionate and had an affair with Fidel. And while I regard Fidel as a great national leader, as I do Ho Chi Minh, we seem to take a dim view of, of national leaders, you know, want to preserve the resources of their own country to benefit their own people. We don't like that. So that when Fidel nationalized the United Fruit and Anaconda Copper and Cuba, the international uh, uh, companies got outraged and wanted to set in the Marines. One of the reasons, by the way, that the chiefs of state flew in, you know, threw in on the assassination, which was orchestrated by Lyndon Johnson, who wanted to become president of all the people, was because Jack opposed the, you know, an invasion of Cuba against their unanimous recommendation. He also went ahead and signed an above-ground test ban treater with the Soviet Union, which they unanimously opposed. And now he was pulling all of our forces out of Vietnam by the end of 1964. That was too much for the chiefs. And they threw in as sponsors of the assassination. Indeed, each of the groups as sponsors had one of their own hitmen. So there were eight different hitmen. Uh, the Air Force guy was named Jack Lawrence. He was firing from inside the triple underpass. He was using a new experimental weapon. Uh, Remington had manufactured and only distributed a few copies, one of which was given to uh, the chief of staff of the Air Force, who shared it with Jack Lawrence. So we know he was acting on behalf of the American military, who had concluded JFK was a communist. The CIA had their shooter, too. He was Frank Sturgis, fired the shot that hit, entered the right temple. Lawrence fired the shot that passed through the windshield and hit JFK in the throat. A Dallas deputy sheriff was on top of the county records building, fired a shot that hit JFK in the back. Shallow shot, probably because he was implanting a Mannlicher Carcano bullet using a .30-06, a larger caliber weapon, and a plastic collar known as a sabot. Jim Mars and I agree about all of this, by the way, and I miss him, too. He was a good man. Lyndon had his own personal hitman, Malcolm Mac Wallace, firing in the uh, 
from the from the book depository, but from the opposite side of the alleged assassin's lair. No one was firing from the assassin's lair, and as I've already mentioned, Lee was in the doorway of the book depository when the motorcade passed by. So he was very badly framed. He protested his innocence. He explained where he'd been at the time, but he was uh, he was the patsy. They made him out to be today if you ask the government, in spite of all the evidence we have, that there were multiple assassins. Or get this, George H.W. Bush was on the scene. He was actually in the Daltex with the anti-Castro Cuban, uh, Nestor Tony Escadro fired three shots from a high-quality Mamluker Carcano, but where it's so unreliable, two of the shots missed completely. One hit a distant curbing and injured a bystander by the name of James Tague. Another hit the chrome strip above the windshield, but the third, after the limousine was brought to a halt, hit JFK in the back of the head, where he slumped forward. Now, he was wearing this very strong corset because of back injuries he'd suffered during World War II, PT-109 and all that. So Jack didn't have a lot of mobility. So he was hit in the back, he was hit in the throat, and then after the limousine was brought to a halt, he was hit at least twice more in the head. David thinks possibly even a third time virtually concurrent with a hit to the right temple also from the right side. So... I could go through that in greater right. detail, but perhaps for another time. If you go to my BitChute channel, Jim Fetzer, in the search bar, just put in JFK Special, and you'll get an update that I published on 18 November 2021, prior to Oliver Stone releasing his new JFK Revisited, which I'm sorry to say was mediocre, even though they had some very good people like David Manning, Douglas Horn, they didn't ask them the right questions, or if they did, they edited them out. And I attribute this to Jim Eugenio, whom Oliver, alas, used as his scriptwriter. Eugenio had launched a bizarre attack on me on virtually all facets of my research in a new journal, of which he's an editor, called Kennedy's and King, where he was taking me on for everything I'd done on JFK 9-11, Wellstone, Sandy Hook, well, why, Boston though? bombing. Well, even, why would even he attack you? Michael, he doesn't know my work at all, but he made it all up. And I now believe, in retrospect, he was trying to dissuade Oliver Stone, who may have been contemplating going for me as his scriptwriter instead of the Eugenio. I actually put together a seven-part refutation of every claim D. Eugenio made about me, showing the evidence. It's easy to lie. It can be complicated to explain why a claim is a lie. I went through that, and Diogenio spent five minutes looking at it and let it go. Just let it go, because I was refuting every damn thing he said. I mean refuting, not just rebutting. A rebuttal is an argument in opposition. A refutation is a successful argument in refutation that establishes the falsehood of the opponent's position. I did that across the board with Eugenio. He should never have gone with him. He's such a mediocrity that even though David Mantic, this is just one illustration, the whole show revolved around the magic bullet theory, which is preposterous to begin with. David Mantic, who's an MD and a PhD, he's an expert in radiation oncology, which is a treatment of cancer using X-ray therapy. So he knows X-rays in and out. He, he took a patient, he, a CAT scan of a patient with neck and chest dimension similar to JFK and plotted the official trajectory, where it turns out that 
it's not even anatomically possible because cervical vertebrae intervene. And indeed, if you look at the Discovery or these other channels doing their reenactment, they have a stand-in, a model for JFK that is lacking an anatomical feature. Namely, they have no backbone, which is all quite ironic, since JFK was taken out precisely because he had a backbone. Not only that, but it turns out Sam Kinney was a driver of the Secret Service vehicle, the Cadillac, following JFK, cleaning out the vehicle at Parkland. He discovered a whole bullet, which I'm convinced came out of that shallow shot to the back, fired from the top of the county records building, and he took it inside and left it on a stretcher, where it would become the magic bullet. But the whole scenario is preposterous. The, the program JFK revisited was mediocre. I and... Uh, Gary King and Larry Rivera, who do a new JFK show and, uh, you know, updating on the latest developments. We've done, I don't know, 324 of these new JFK shows. Actually took Oliver Stone's film apart. We did broke it down into half-hour segments and created four one-hour shows, a half-an-hour uh, segment of the two-hour Oliver Stone film, and then spent a half-an-hour critiquing it. If you look on uh, my blog, you may be able to find it, or you could write to Gary King or write to me, and I'll see if we can't track it down for you. It was schlock. It was meaningless. Here, Oliver Stone had produced this absolutely magnificent film, JFK, which is the closest thing, you know, to what actually happened in Dealey Plaza ever presented to the American people through the mass media. It's not flawless, but it's spectacular and right-headed. And then he follows it up with his utter dribble. It's really a shame. I sent him my film before his would be released four days later, but I have not heard from him in response. Caller, do you have anything else before uh, we let you go? Um, did, did, do you guys happen to see the confrontation between the president of China and Trudeau in the last couple of days? No, tell us about it. Yeah, tell us about that. Well, the, the Canadian camera crew caught up to see and seen them two talking together with a, a translator. And uh, G said to Trudeau that he doesn't like what he's done, releasing all this uh, information to the public, through the media. And, you know, he was, wouldn't even look him in the eyeballs at all. And Trudeau just, like, had his head down. And then uh, a couple other words were said, and Trudeau just walked off like a little bitch with his tail between his legs. Well, that's not surprising. He's, he's an utter mediocrity. He has no business. He's been insulting the Canadian people, their protests. He's even taken away handguns from Canadians. How outrageous yeah, is that? that. Just, In Nova Scotia, yeah. Disgusting beyond words. But he's going on the next Canadian drag show, if anybody wants to watch that. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he's Please one of the guest yeah. stars in the drag show, yeah. Well, that's, uh, again, that's not surprising uh, to hear that. Oof. Yeah, I know. Yikes, Wall. Well, anyway, um, great show, guys. Jim, you're the best. And if you have any trouble with people, give me a ring. I'll, I'll put them in my pig farm for you. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for calling in. Great Thanks call. for the call. And there he goes, our friend in uh, Canada, Jim. Someone asked if I'd ever met Marilyn. Well, I was a huge fan of Marilyn. As I turn, I have a five-panel sequence of Maryland on my wall here, just to my immediate left in my office here, where I do all my shows. Maryland did have dalliances with Jack. He was being shot up with steroids 
it actually made him hypersexual, but he wasn't really much of a lover. For example, uh, Angie Dickinson said that her affair with JFK was the greatest 14 seconds of her life, <laughs> which gives you some idea. But Jack would even fly Marilyn across to give him, say, special treatment before he'd go to do a big event. And of course, when she sang Happy Birthday, it was spectacular. Marilyn apparently, by the way, while she had the affair with uh, Jack, I believe she really had a thing for Bobby, that Bobby really loved her. He's sometimes been accused of having been involved in her murder. Her little bungalow had like 14 different wiretaps. I mean, she was being bugged by every That's agency right, yeah. in the world. And it appears that Sam Giancana was worried that Marilyn was going to give a press conference and spell beans because she had also been Sam's girlfriend. And he assigned Johnny Rosselli to take her out, but he wanted Johnny to know she must feel no pain. So that Rosselli actually, they chloroformed her and then gave her a rectal suppository oh with uh, narcotics that killed her painlessly. But that was how Marilyn appears to have been taken out. There's a wonderful book by a guy named uh, Derek Porter called Marilyn at Rainbow's End that gives what I regard as the most accurate accounting of her death that's available anywhere in print. I had read a, a random article that said uh, that Marilyn Monroe wouldn't shower very often. That's why uh, Joe DiMaggio left her. Oh, Joe loved Marilyn to the end. I, I don't know about her. I don't know how accurate the yeah, I don't either. I was, a huge, I was a huge fan of Marilyn. I thought she was wonderful. Yeah, I, I don't know what that article was all about, but that was uh, a strange article, to uh, say the very least. And uh, yes, lots of people um, are going, um, asking lots of questions here. But yes, I see someone asking about uh, Elon Musk. Um, yeah, apparently something's going on. Now, he had a good thing in buying Twitter, and he paid more than twice of what it was worth with $44 billion. It might have been worth half that because... More than half of the, uh, you know, those who are participating on Twitter turned out to be bots. Right, He's yeah. now fired like half the staff because they were doing censorship. And he wants to create a free speech medium. I believe Elon Musk has done a very good thing for the American people. But the Democrats are furious about it because they don't want free speech. No, they're against free speech. Everyone who's critical, they won't want Joe to be exposed, which is why they appointed this new complete charlatan it appears to be a special counsel this this really does mean the united states is a banana republic what has distinguished our country in the past is our adherence to law and order that we did not politicize prosecutions of political enemies of the government but now we're doing that in spades the, the Mar-a-Lago raid was only one indication but the doj and the fbi have been completely politicized Look at all this stuff covering up Russiagate, looking at how uh, James Comey covered up the Anthony Weiner laptop to protect Hillary in 2016. The Hunter laptop as well, Ray yes. Covered up the Hunter laptop to protect Joe Biden in 2020. The FBI is a disgrace, Michael, a complete disgrace. It's a big shit show out there. Yeah, it really is. I'm and that's right. And, and uh, uh, Jim, you know, with with all of that said and knowing that, you know, sometimes voting isn't uh, quite accurate as we are led to believe, I've always felt, you know, at a local level, I think voting is rather important. But 
on a nationwide level, I, I don't know, I have my doubts. I've always been really iffy about the the validity of voting. Well, it should be perfectly straightforward. When we had paper ballots and hand counts, it was. So it was like around 1981, as I recall, Chuck Hagel introduced electronic voting, and he actually owned the electronic voting company that was used to elect him to the Senate. So although I kind of like Chuck Hagel in various ways, I believe he was introducing this corrupt mechanism to the United States. The first thing we must do is get rid of electronic voting machines, return to paper ballots and hand counts. We have to get rid of gerrymandered voting districts, adopt the Iowa model where you have a panel of retired judges determining the voting districts to make them as reasonable and uh, objective and balanced as possible. We have to get private money out of federal elections. I think every federal election has to be paid for by the public. It's well worth the investment. And fourth, and initially it may sound counterintuitive, we need to restore the draft. We need to have every American eligible for the draft so that their families become concerned with decisions of war and peace once again. Too often they say now since Nixon abandoned the draft to take the air out of the anti-war movement, while knowing their daughters and sons aren't going to be vulnerable, they're not going to be at risk, the public pays no attention to what's going on here, which could even get us into a world war now with regard to Ukraine. Now, yeah, they that's do, another thing. I'm so glad you brought God. that up. Sorry, I, sorry I didn't mean Michael. to. I, I'm Go sorry. I, I didn't mean to speak over you at all. It's just I did want to bring up the Ukraine sort of situation uh, with Poland. You know, I think Ukraine obviously executed a false flag attack on Poland. Yeah, that's, of course. I mean, absolutely. Uh, this wasn't even a <laughs> missile that was in the Russian uh, arsenal. It was sloppy. Russia, Russia isn't firing anything anywhere near Poland, and uh, Zelensky's gone bananas about it. But he, he's trying to provoke World War III. I'm getting reports, by the way, Benjamin Fulford is saying Germany is going to go ahead and work out a gas deal with Russia, even though the European Union is opposed to it. I hope that is true. Many believe that the war was provoked in order to guarantee that the Nord Stream 2 would never begin functioning. Because once you have peaceful, mutually beneficial economic relationship between Russia and Germany, which is by far the economic powerhouse of the European Union, the situation becomes very amicable, tensions between nations reduced, the, the, uh, the obsolescence of NATO becomes obvious, no longer any need to maintain it, NATO has just been a military arm of the United States to perpetrate war crimes, such as a slaughter of Libya, among the most horrific of all, where Hillary was in the lead there, disgraceful, uh, contemptible, inhuman person that she is. I have no end of contempt for Hillary Clinton. But the fact is, by provoking the war, they caused this tension to occur where Russia was never able to turn on Nord Stream 2, and then you have the British attacking the pipelines. With a, The United States had already declared that if Russia were to invade uh, Ukraine with troops and tanks, that Nord Stream would be no more. We got that both from Joe Biden and we got that from Victoria Nuland, who'd engineered the coup back in 2014, using $5 billion in American taxpayer money to get rid of the Russia-friendly president and install a Western stooge. And this is the point at which they began 
artillery barrages on the Donbass, which is populated with ethnic Russians, Russian-friendly Russian speakers, bringing about thousands of deaths, which was one of the reasons Putin declared for having to undertake the special military intervention. But the, the Democrats have been sending all this money to Ukraine, and now we're learning the reason. This uh, TFX scandal exposes yes. they were sending the money to Ukraine so it could be laundered and then sent back as cryptocurrency to the Democrats to use to buy the election of 2022. I mean, it's just disgusting. It's, inc it's, it's insane. You, you, of course, you, of course, are talking about uh, FTX, yeah, um, FTX, the big crypto scam that went on. And, of course, FTX donates all their money to the DNC. Uh, surprise, surprise. That's right. It was a classic money laundering money operation laundering. Right. at the expense of the American taxpayer. So the Democrats are using the American taxpayer to to sabotage democracy in the name of democracy. I mean, their hypocrisy knows no bounds. It's disgusting. It really is. And this guy got away with it. This uh, strange, nerdy looking uh, fellow and his girlfriend that looks like well, she's eight yeah, years old. Look, the DOJ is only going to prosecute Republicans, or especially they're still worried about Trump, because Trump galvanized the nation. Uh, Trump brought about a populist outpouring like we've never seen before in the history of the nation. I believe Donald Trump had a more has a more powerful uh, grip on the American people than even JFK. And needless to say, I was a huge fan of JFK. But I think Trump actually has affected us in a more powerful way. Jack would have had he survived to serve a second term. I think the adoration for him and Jackie would have been unlimited, but what we have now with the Biden is a crime family in position running the country. Merrick Garland is basically the conciliary of the Biden crime family. He's acting just think of the model of the Godfather, except that the Godfather was a far more competent individual, knew what he was doing, whereas Biden is merely a puppet whose strings appear to be being pulled by Barack Obama behind the scene, who is in turn controlled by George Soros, who in turn is being controlled by the Rothschild banking empire. They're out to destroy America, and frankly, they're doing a pretty good job of it. And uh, we are joined by yet another caller. Go ahead, caller. You are live. Yeah, Jim. Um... I was wondering back in the day when you first saw the Sandy Hook, if yeah. it was possible that you looked up the network activity of the schools. Well, it was actually Dennis uh, Camino who did that and found there was no internet activity for like between 2008 and 2012. And that was in the first edition. If you got the first edition, it's got Dennis's uh, wonderful piece about that, that failure of internet activity. But there's so many proofs. I don't know if you heard how before the Supreme Court and I had now have an appendix E, and you can get these appendices and download them to your own desktop if you go to my blog at jameshfetzer.org. Remember the H, because if you just go to jamesfetzer.org, it's now directed to the documents in relation to the taking. Yeah. They were out to kill the blog and the book. If you go to jameshfetzer.org and look for Ron Avery, Talking about that was my the question. before the Supreme Court, you can download the whole thing, the petition and the appendices. There are two, A through D, and then E, and you'll find a mess of evidence proving the whole thing was a fraud right there at your fingertips. Okay. Now, 
during the time when I first saw the um, somebody put up on the internet, and that was that early spring, where they were showing the graph of that address, that there was like basically there was like sporadic uh, internet activity, and then from there it was flatlined. Yeah. I thought for a fact that that was kind of like somebody just putting up some joke. So then no, I looked I it up on the no, internet. It wasn't a is, joke. The, the whole thing, the whole thing was very no, elaborate. No, the no, planning no, began just, in 2006. Eric Holder yeah, played just, a major role here. They actually had auditions for the various roles. They actually had a script. The Connecticut State Police were running the op behind the scene. Uh, the community of Newtown got massive okay. money for doing yeah, this. Yep, yep. Just listen. Yeah. All right. So anyway, so um, I bothered to call and then uh, call over to the Connecticut um, school board and find out who it was that would actually have such a graph, like of such. So then um, they said there was two companies that were the main companies that offered fiber to all their schools. Now, around here in Idaho, that, that's kind of the same thing because they have to have competitive uh, bidding on such. So anyway... She gave me off the name of one of them, and so I went ahead and called over there and just asked the company, which, you know, you could just look them up on the Internet, and then um, talked to the guy over there, and I gave him the address of what this address was. Um, he said, no, that's our competitor, and I know him because this is kind of like just their sales guy, and uh, you should just call him, and he gave me his, like, cell phone number. So then I called the guy's cell phone number and uh, just left him a message. Hey, listen, I'm looking out for this one address. I was wondering if it was active or not, blah, blah, blah. Because I didn't, like, think that the whole thing was a fake or not. So I just kind of said so. But I didn't tell him that I was actually looking up for, like, a school shooting or something. I just, like, was looking at if it was actually active or not. Because there's also right there on the corner the uh, – the other company, I think, services that fire station that was right there. It was one or the other. Anyway, as is, the uh, this guy calls me back on the phone. And now he was not at his office. He was out in the field. And he says, like, yeah, I'm looking at that address, and it looks dead. I'm like, well, what do you mean? Because, you know, that's, a, that's supposed to be a school. And since you have the school contract, like, what is that? You know, what is that? And he went over the whole thing like, well, we have these schools around that are closed down or like, you know, used for something else. And I said, okay, well, what does that look like? He says, well, it looks like there's sporadic stuff there, but it looks like it's used for something else. That's very good. That was accurate. Yeah. They might have an occasional, you know, special meeting there for some purpose, but it was a closed school. They weren't teaching any well, students so, there. So I, went, I, went into, I went into detail with him on this because it, in those places they have active Wi-Fi. So they, yeah. they have school Wi-Fi in all those places. I was like, well, like, what do you mean? He says, well, somebody could have went in there and just had, like, you know, just Wi-Fi access and just used it. Right. He might have been in there with their laptop. And then they were, like, shipping his stuff in and out. Yeah. Or they just happened to be on site and they wanted to use the internet for whatever reason. Yeah. No. Every but, every since then, I've known you've been correct on this. It's just a matter of actually if those people are evil enough to go ahead and kill off those kids or not. Because they, uh, they they didn't kill any kids. It was all fake. These were all crisis actors. 
They, they even auditioned for the role. You may have missed I just added that when you started talking. They had auditions for the various roles. They had scripts. The whole thing was managed. It just turned out that Connecticut police went off the script, and they did things they shouldn't have done. And there were lots of glitches because they were used to doing this sort of thing. But big bucks were involved. I mean, I'm telling you, this was a, a bought and paid for deal. And the DHS does this all over the country. So that, you know, Sandy Hook was only the first. And, of course, the first book of mine that was, yeah, that's it. You're showing that really awful photograph. <laughs> that's one of the attacks on me in the Chronicle yes. of Higher Education, of which there have been two. Yes, that sir. particularly disgusting. <laughs> I wrote them. They had 16 major arguments or points about me that were false. And I wrote them refutations. And they didn't raise their least digit to correct it, Michael. That's just, they've... They found a photograph they could give the least favorable. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's not a very. Yeah, yeah it's Listen, not a very. I love this caller. This is terrific. It looks great, though. Additional research, but but the Boston bombing, Orlando and Dallas, Charlottesville, Parkland, Las Vegas, Orlando, Buffalo, uh, 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 Buffalo, Uvalde. Those are all fake. You want to download my uh, law enforcement false flag? scripted event checklist, which I did with Brian Davidson, the PI I cited, whose affidavit is in my current Supreme Court submission with a motion for rehearing, which, by the way, an attorney who's qualified to appear before the Supreme Court told me he'd never heard of the Supreme Court allowing a rehearing. Now, I'll bet if you run through the records, they've done it, but it's been very, very rare. And they would only, I presume, allow a rehearing if they thought there was something important that they had missed the first time around. And I believe that's exactly what happened here. But Dennis Camino did good work. You did a wonderful thing in, in confirming it. I'll tell you, today, they no doubt clamped up on that. And if you got somebody, he, he wouldn't be able to tell you the true or the false. Good. That's a nice photograph. There. I like that photo of you there, Jim. That's very good. I think that's when I... Uh, got the teaching award where the hell was this this is uh it's a good photo i'm yeah i'm looking at the blackboard to try to figure out where i was when i gave that because if i were given the talk i'd have a clean blackboard that would have my stuff on it and that's somebody else's that's looks like uh, it says uh 2013 2013 very interesting yes you that's were one of, i mean i've given you know a hundred a, of these presentations yeah. more and most of them are available somewhere or other but your caller is wonderful. I'm very, very impressed with what he did and what he sorted out. Because today, if you called up, I'll bet you anything, they'd say, oh, yeah, of course, it was continuous in service. And that, that caller left, by the way. I wanted to follow up with a few things, but he hung up. Well, he's good. He's very good. He's probably listening to us yeah, now. Yeah, he's probably listening. Excellent call, caller. Excellent. Yeah, thanks for that call. I'm we very impressed. That. I'm very impressed by what you did in verifying what Dennis had sorted out to wit that there wasn't even any internet activity. Yes, that's a good point. And of course, hello to Gang of Four out there who is cold as hell out there. Most Americans, well, those in the East Coast are probably freezing right now. Um, but out here, it's 59 degrees, by the way, for those that um, care. Not too bad. Pretty good out here. Uh, Jim, is it cold out there where you are? Oh, I think it's around uh, 20 degrees maybe tonight. I mean, it's not been especially bad. When I lived in Duluth, it got to 35 below zero. Ooh, so, damn. you know, I mean, 
Living here near Madison is a piece of cake compared to Minnesota if you're residing in the north. Ooh, yeah, it's too cold. Uh, too cold for me. You know, I'm out here in California, so, you know, um, I'm pretty spoiled with the weather out here. Doesn't well, remember, too Michael, cold. I was born in Pasadena and grew up in California. That's right, yeah, you, so, of course. You know, yeah, so, you know, I know the territory, and it's, it's really a different state today, and your governor is just a monster. Oh, my, terrible. yes, he is the worst. And, by the way, we are joined with uh, yet another caller. Caller, go ahead, you're live. Yeah, I'm the previous caller that. Uh, oh, there you are. On, uh, oh, good, good. I just wanted to congratulate yes. you. Yes. Excellent piece of research there. I'm really surprised you got an honest answer, but Me too. obviously you did. Wow. Well, no, you see, the, what was funny about that is I just went ahead and took a look at it, like on the on the base level at the time, and the and the guys that were actually because I spotted that little graph on the internet, and I, I thought it was actually a joke. Yeah, I see. And so then I, I just went ahead and like thought, okay, well, the the state has to have like contractors for these things, and so then from there you just call the contractors and find out what they're up to. And, and yeah, so but I'm telling you, if you did it today, I don't think you'd get a straight answer. Dennis is a very serious guy. He was a top electronics troubleshooter for the Navy before he resigned and went to uh, work for Raytheon. No, no, he knows. It's just he it's knows just, his it's just shit. It's a matter of and, regular you know, people. No, regular yeah. people need to call regular people on the phone and just be like curious about shit and talk about stuff. Yeah. I, I don't need to be a, I don't need to write a book and I don't need to like, let's say, be a curious, like, you know, riddle somebody down on a bunch of questions. Just ask them what the hell's going on. Because like those sales, those two sales guys for those two companies, they had no yeah. idea who the hell I was. I didn't say I'm like, oh, I'm somebody important. I'm like, you know, like so-and-so like doing a book or research or whatever. I'm just calling about something. And that's yeah. what the, they're regular people. Seriously, those kids, those two guys, they were basically kids. They're sales kids, guys. They were like in their 20s. Yeah. They're just but, out making but, a living, doing what they're doing. Sure. But if he'd known and it so was Sandy Hook, I doubt he would have been eager to talk about it. You handled it very well. Good work. Well done. Well, no, I no, congratulate this is, this is exactly what you're supposed to do. It's just like whenever you see any of this stuff go on, it's just a matter of calling people that are involved and just talk yeah. to them as a person. Yeah, but I'm telling you, most of the people have been gagged. These people deal. are under contract. You don't understand. They, the Sandy Hook thing is very elaborate. Lots of people, they're under contract. One of, part of what's oh, that interesting is that down. many of their contracts, these are non-disclosure agreements, expire on 31 December of this year. So they can either re-sign up and continue their benefits. And by the way, those who participated don't pay taxes. And if they you know, want to go to school, the government will pay for it. This is done by the Department of Homeland Security. You would not believe the extent to which they go to manufacture these phony events to manipulate the American people in their opinions about the Second Amendment. It's really to grab our guns. But, you, but it was actually it was actually fortuitous that basically that that graph appeared, and then I happened to call the sales guys who were not read yeah. in on whatever the hell was going on at the time, and then that was just it. Yeah. See, ever since then, I've, I've known that there there's a, there's a there's an element to like what's going on because these guys can't pull things off perfect because there's too many people involved to, with what they're doing. Yeah, but the deal it's, it's, is, it's, uh, as soon as they learn, you know, something gone wrong, they seek to make amends, uh, manufacture evidence to deal with it and all that. I mean, 
there's a whole lot I know about this I'm not at liberty to address on this occasion, but I hope in the future we'll be able to spell it out in great detail. I'm just hoping the Supreme Court will find convincing what I presented because, I mean, there can be no doubt, given my appendices, that this was a FEMA drill and that there were no children or, or adults who died there. And this is using records from the state police files where, by the way, they removed the metadata as to when and where they were taken mm. out of consciousness of guilt in the hope they therefore could not be submitted as evidence in a trial, in a legal context, in a court of law. Well, the mere fact that those bullet holes came in through the windows in a row at 90 degrees. Yeah, what you mean is they drilled. Yeah, they drilled the aluminum frame <laughs> to simulate bullet holes. No, 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 that was a force shot. So, it's, no. You can't bend aluminum on a frame like that because aluminum frames on windows are heat treated. So you can't, you can't really drill from the outside in and then cause the uh, metal to go ahead and bend like it's like, let's say, butter. Somebody well, actually went really out there bend, and bend, shot those, those are drill holes. You can even see some of the uh, aluminum filings there where they have the pink rods inserted, I assure you. No, the the window the windows themselves that heat treated aluminum is like let's say six thousand or so like three thousand series of aluminum to to cause that aluminum to go ahead and bend out like it did, which is kind of like just like let's say a, a orange peel bend that had to have been a force like a, a blunt force. So somebody had to have gone on the outside of that thing purposely, like punched through it somehow. Which is amazing to me because that to even stage that that's crazy. So somebody had to go ahead and like mess around with that, just to go ahead and mess around with it as evidence. Because you can't do that. You can't drill it like if I were to take a drill bit and drill through like let's say a windowsill, which you can do. You just go to like the Home Depot and pick up a window, and then from there go ahead and drill it with a drill. You're you're going to wind up drill shavings on the inside of the like the frame itself. And it's just not going to force itself through the other way. And so, the, well, no, we could, we could discuss this on another it. occasion, perhaps. But in various of my presentations, I go through this in considerable now, detail. You, you got three you know, holes drilled in the aluminum, and you got pink rods sticking out, and they're all exactly parallel with one another and 90 oh, degrees of the window pane. Obviously manufactured. However, it may yeah. have been done. And if we disagree on how it was done, we agree that it was manufactured. That was manufactured, and you're right. You've been right for years, Jim. You're all good. Everything's fine. You've been right for a long time. It's just a matter of how these guys pull this off, because I think there's different groups doing different things of how they decide to do it. I mean, well, to be honest, like uh, all these things that have happened in the past, you know, um, for for a good example, we're just talking about JFK. You know, once once this happened, I mean. Everyone thought, well, that that's too crazy. No way our own government would be, um, you know, any way involved in the assassination of JFK, but um, well, nothing is well, impossible, very, is what I'm saying. It's, it's very interesting in all these cases, once a government takes a stand, it's locked in. I had a very interesting conversation with James Files, who claims to have been the second gunman on the grassy knoll. This, I think, was in accordance with the House Select Committee. They claim Lee had fired these three shots, but there was a second gunman who, by coincidence, was on the grassy knoll. I believe that's a role for which James Files has been cast. 
he drove up from Chicago with his wife, and I took him out to dinner at my favorite steakhouse, and we had a wonderful conversation. I like the guy tremendously, very intelligent. The point he made twice that stuck with me was, once the government is locked in, it will never change. So that's why you got the lone gunman. We know there were eight shooters, right. no lone gunman. Lee was actually in the doorway, can't have even been one of the shooters, but they're locked in. They got 19 Islamic terrorists. Well, we know a half a dozen or more of these guys turned up alive and well made contact with the British press the following day. Therefore, the list cannot be correct, but the FBI won't change it. And however much evidence I might adduce about Sandy Hook, the government is going to try to stand pat, which is why. I was willing to go through the process of having all my evidence in a court of law, which I believe would provide a formal vindication of what happened, and now I've had to go all the way to the Supreme Court to have a shot at it, because the lower courts were corrupt by this improper summary judgment process that allows them to impose their subjective judgment on the evidence and decide that it's, you know, unreasonable and therefore not worthy of consideration as though it didn't even exist. So I've had quite a, a slow uh, slogging through all this, but I think it may come to uh, success if they grant my writ on the 5th. And by the way, it's heard then by the court on the 2nd. On the 3rd and the 4th, I'm conducting my third annual false flag and conspiracy conference. I got 26 presentations, 24 speakers over the two days, jam-packed. You can't believe how good the speakers are. You can find the whole lineup on my blog. Go to jameshfetzer.org and check out 2022 False Flags and Conspiracies Virtual Conference, 3-4 December, and you'll find the whole thing, links to where you can get tickets and the whole bit. But it's just a very impressive group of speakers, and it's going to be broadcast live and you have two ticket observations. One, just you can watch it, but not participate. The other, you're in the Zoom room and you can put questions, just as the chat room is doing here. You can put questions and I'll field the questions. And if I find some that I think are appropriate, the last five minutes of the presentation are gonna be devoted to questions. So you'll have that nice. opportunity if you pick that option, call it B if you like. Meanwhile, that's totally different than we had in Arizona, where if you couldn't get your ballot to scan, you put it in door number three, which turned out to be a trash bin. So your ballot just got burned up. I mean, it's just disgusting what's going up. And I'm burned up about what happened in Arizona. And I'm burned up about what's happening to the United States. Because in the name of defending democracy, the Democrats have been stealing our precious heritage right out from under us, and they are continuing to do so. The appointment of this new scumbag by the DOJ to be a special counsel investigating Trump on January 6th is just outrageous and offensive to the max. Yes, as you said, only 17% of Mary, uh, Maricopa County uh, election day voters were Democrat. Only 23% of the primary election day voters were Democrat, but Democrats are winning 50%. Now, that's, that is crazy. And a call or anything else you'd like to add before um, we cut you loose? Well, actually, uh, Jim would love the uh, county council we had in Maricopa County because the people there were yelling at the county people. It was quite funny because the county people knew it was coming. And they were telling people that children might be watching, so please do not swear at us. <laughs> and they mostly sat there and dealt with it. It was hilarious. Well, I think we're fortunate to have this 
I think we're fortunate to have this magnificent Carrie Lake as our champion there. She's very savvy, very smart, very articulate, and she knows her uh, shit. So this, she. This is. Uh -oh. I, I'm weary of her a little bit because. Color doesn't she like her. Before she decided. Sorry. Oh, we just in the, the caller does not like her. Well, no, because before uh, she decided to go on this this particular thing when she was in the news, right? Uh, she was a she was an Obama supporter, really, and voted and voted Democrat. Well, let me tell you, don't hold that against her. I was an Obama supporter. I voted Democrat. I even voted for Bill Clinton twice. When when Donald Trump came on the scene, it was a breath of fresh air. I would put her in the same category with me. I grew up as a JFK FDR Democrat. I believe in the social safety network, Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, unemployment insurance, workman's compensation, programs that actually help the American people. If it were not for Social Security, I today could not be making ends meet. So I'm with Carrie Lake. I mean, we have seen the light, believe me. She's a Trump supporter, and so am I. Carrie Lake, Carrie Lake was an Obama insider, and it's interesting because there, there's now complaints coming up about that. Well, I'm, I'm not necessarily against the gal. I really don't care. But there's a bunch of stuff coming up now where what she's going to do now, she's going to go ahead and ride that entire wave of doing all of those, um, oh, like the Trump tour things, making money on that. That Trump tour thing that they're making money on on that thing is a huge operation. I, I I don't think look, it's bad. Look, I, I don't I'm, think that basically that we should actually like let's say go ahead and make a um, a Bible thumper camp. Mm, and I see out of politics. Well, you're 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 making claims. I'm not in a position to verify, but I'm open to it. I mean, uh, all of our reasoning should be tentative and fallible. This is my we're opinion. Willing to revise our opinion based on new evidence yeah, no, or alternative I'm, hypotheses. I know, no, just. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just pointing at it, saying, Jim, look at it. Yeah, good. Yeah, good of course, work. right, right. Because I, I, I I'm not going to say anything for certain, but it just looks that way because it looks a little bit. Well, yeah, yeah, it takes something take some to convince me that Carrie Lake isn't the real deal. But I sure am open to new evidence and alternative hypotheses. And you did brilliant work in calling up about verifying there was no internet activity. I congratulate oh, you for see, that. Well did, done. Did you, well did, done. Did you see? Did you see the change in the? Um, the everybody said that there was a change in the um, oh, uh, Google Earth. Over what? Over Sandy Hook. Yeah. What? What? What about? They mean the photo? The the helicopter coverage? I, the the, and the next day that I saw that, I'm just telling you the next. The, Oh, my ex-wife works as a teacher, and I and yeah. I have three adult kids, and I was still driving them over to grade schools at the time. Um, yeah, no. The next day, you look it up on Google Earth. They were only off by about I don't know four months on the Google Earth picture of that place, and that place was a wreck. There was yes. weeds growing everywhere. Yes. Yeah. Oh, two weeks later after that thing happened, because I looked it up the next day because I didn't know where the place was. So I just looked it up on Google Earth. It's easy to do. So then like two weeks later after the fact, the place was cleaned up. Yep. Yeah, yeah, you're three not wrong on said, Sandy Hook. Yep, you're people, absolutely right. No these, these, no, these people that are torturing you on Sandy Hook, they're, they're just riding the wave of what they can figure out what to do because they screwed up. They really screwed up on that one. And and they're just they, they're just actually torturing you as best I can tell, which is unfair. 
They should not be doing Listen, this to you. Thank, thanks for calling in. And yes, for thank you for that, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, points. you guys have a good night. And thanks, Mike. Yeah, Count your brother. Thank you thanks so for much. calling in, Doc my friend. Yeah, all right. observes that yeah, there's a camp yeah. trail over yeah, Sandy good. Hook. That's right. No one could see anything. It was very bizarre. There weren't any camp trails in the air whatsoever. Then all of a sudden, the day of the event, there are camp trails over a Sandy Hook. Doc, you're exactly right. Right, and there he goes, and we appreciate that call. And Jim, you know, uh, so much to talk about here, but so little time, you know, I do appreciate you. Yeah, yeah, you. Michael, it's been great. It's I been always fun. enjoy coming on with you, and I look forward to our next conversation. Me too. I look forward to that. And Jim, you know, the chat room was saying you look like a older Wolverine. Um, they're talking about <laughs> they're talking about uh, this character right the here. Badger. And I'm all for the Wisconsin Badgers. My son-in-law and daughter both graduated from UW-Madison, where we moved, you know, after I retired from the Duluth campus of the University of Minnesota. I think you got a wonderful chat group there, Michael. I'm very impressed. I oh, see lots you. of highly astute comments being posted there. And I felt, you know, really they're huge supporters of you. And I'm glad to say uh, they seem to be very supportive of me. And I'm just uh, glad to come back anytime, any occasion you like, Michael. I'm here for I, you. Oh, well, thank you so much. You know, it's always a honor and pleasure. And, you know, one last thing I wanted to ask you uh, in terms of, you know, abortion really quickly. You know, I always wondered the, the whole anti-abortion thing. You know, if I, I believe if the Republicans would sort of just stay away from that sort of issue, they would probably take over take over the whole country. Well, you want to hear something ironic? All the surveys in advance of the midterm showed that major voting blocks were moving away from the Democrats. Hispanics were moving away. Catholics were moving away. Blacks were moving away. And a lot of that with the Catholics and Hispanics is because they're pro-life. Well, yeah, the, right. The Democrats were adopting true. the most extreme position on abortion of unqualified, unlimited abortion right up to the moment of death moment of birth, even some are advocating post-birth abortion, meaning infanticide. That was a governor of Virginia, and the American people find that repulsive. Well, that I can't I yes, myself I... believe Roe v. Wade was properly decided, but remember, any, any abortion other than to save the life or the health of the mother post the second trimester is murder under Roe. Well, yeah, I agree. You know, late-term abortion is not... Yeah. Yeah. Late term abortion is definitely wrong. It backfired on it. It cost them more votes than they earned, Michael. Understood. And Jim, again, you know, it's always a honor and pleasure to have you on the program. I know you got to get going. So once again, thank you so much. And that's James H. Fetzer. For those that want more information, definitely go find his books at moonrockbooks.com. They're all there for you and buy them there. And of course, Amazon won't have these books. You know, they are basically they, they burned all the copies they had on some sort of a witch hunt they had on a gym here. And now Michael, can I, can I add one more <laughs> yes, to sir. the chat? I yes, want sir. to add one more to the chat here. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, which is the link to the false flags and conspiracies. So everyone can check it out. There is the link to the false flag and conspiracy. And I'd like all of you to think about it. Uh, really, there's so much going on. Take a look and see if this is something you might want to take in. It's fantastic. Oh, are you going to type that in there? Yeah, I put it right in. Oh, okay. Very nice. Once again, Jim, thank you so much for being a part of the program. We'll do it again on the other side, my friend. Thank you so much. 
You got it, Michael. Thank you so much. Terrific. I had great fun. Really enjoyed it. Terrific awesome. group there in your chat room. I'm very impressed. Very nice. Well, good night, my friend. Take care. Thank you, Michael. Bye-bye. And there he goes, boys and girls. That was my guest, Mr. Jim Fetzer. And he did drop a link here for all of you. I should uh, put that up there for you guys before uh, I head home here. Before we wrap it up, but I do want to thank all of you out there for uh, sticking around and hanging out here on the program and the calls. I mean, I really appreciate all you folks that try to call in and some of you called in a little early, a little late. That happens every now and then. But here, let me put that link in the box there for you guys. Check that out. Yes, link time. Go in there, check that out. And uh, yes, uh, Jim, uh, very, very much appreciated here by all of us not just me but by you out there everyone has uh, been wondering where jim is where what, what he's doing but yes now he's asking me perhaps you could post a link with yeah no problem jim yes i'll do that very very nice and i apologize to those that were trying to call in and you didn't get through that happens every now and then but i invite you to call uh tomorrow i'll be back here live again can you believe that it's a uh, double dose of the Michael Deacon program. I hope you enjoyed your stay here. First time listeners out there, always a honor and pleasure. I am Michael Deacon, the host of this program, former producer of uh, Build Liberty Radio that was hosted by Mr. John Casaretto and John McAfee. That was a long time ago. That was a different life ago. And now we're here, enjoying each other's company. Much respect to all of you out there in the chat room. Those of you who listen on the podcast rendition of this program, always nice. And yeah, catch the show live or go back and listen to the replay. That's where you can find this program. And of course, Mike will be here tomorrow. He couldn't be here tonight. He's actually working, doing his thing. So uh, he did want me to say hi to all of you. So hello to you from Mr. Mike Hideous. He'll be here front and center as i will be too once again thank you so much for hanging out with me here tonight it's been a good one it really has been if you want bonus material please go to patreon.com forward slash michael deacon if you want merchandise and uh we need you to want merchandise please go to michaeldeacon.com forward slash shop and that's where you'll find the gear Yes, and I am sad we are about to wrap it up here. You know, I had a good time. I was uh, doing the show here, and now it's all over, folks. It was definitely amazing, and um, I will miss you. But I'll return. Don't worry. I will return. So meet me back here tomorrow at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for another one of these. Oh, yes. Once again, thank you so much. And let that get done playing there. Yes, thank you so much for being here and hanging out. We'll do it again on the other side. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place. And life itself is a mystery. Until next time. Good night, everybody.